I don't want you to get nervous. Uh, I, I always get nervous when someone walks up with a folder. So I, I turn around and look at the clock. Um, before I start and before I pray, I do want to um, make an announcement. I, I'm Bill Casey. I'm the former um, moderator of the elders here. And I want to make sure that people understand that um, there is a new elder moderator in town, uh, Anthony Koo. Anthony's here. I, I know. I saw him earlier. Yeah, he's standing in the back. Stay, stay standing just a minute, Anthony. So I, I just want to tell you why, in my estimation, I wasn't part of the elder board that selected him. I absolutely support it. Anthony, we're going to talk today about family. We're going to talk about fatherhood. Um, as it relates to our Father in heaven. And Anthony is a wonderful model of fatherhood for his family here on earth, as well as leading us uh, con in connectiveness to Jesus. And uh, th this church would find itself in a place that would, we would be aligned with Jesus. And Anthony brings wonderful energy to this. He brings a great love of Jesus and has a very strong faith uh, is a great father. We all know his three little girls who run around here and we've watched them grow and, um, and thrive under the, the parenthood of Anthony and Maria and uh, a great team. Also, I just want to say from my perspective, Anthony's one of those guys that when he walks in the room, the, the old advertisement on television about, uh, you know, when they were talking about investments and, and when um, Smith Barney talked, or I, I think it was them, it was, you were supposed to shut up because they were the ones that knew everything. Anthony is a brilliant guy. He's very perceptive. And he's, he wants to, I, I know from conversations with him and with the elders, he wants to really focus on communications, that we'd be talking to each other. If we're going to be a family, if we're going to be a community, we need to be sharing not only the good news, but we need to be sharing those things that we're struggling with moving forward and see how our church can position itself to respond to the concerns that people have. So I just want you to know that this is a great handoff. I'm really proud uh, that we've chosen uh, Anthony as our elder moderator to lead us forward. And, and as we're in a time of, uh, of a lot of things going on in the church, we're looking at uh, senior pastor candidates, that Anthony's the perfect person to be le leading us through that. So thank you, An Anthony, for agreeing to do that. I do want to open us in, in prayer as I bring this message. This is something I, people have heard me up here before. I, I love microphones. I like uh, podium. I don't like walking up with something like this. I like doing a quick announcement and getting a couple laughs and hitting somebody in the heart and then turning around and walking away. This is longer this morning and, mo and more challenging. Um, so Father God, I just uh, thank you that I, uh, in my preparation, I have felt your presence in my life. I've heard you whispering to me. Many times those whispers have been, no, don't go there, Bill. Um, other times it's been, think about this. So Father, I just pray this morning that um, I feel anointed by you, that you have uh, inspired a message for me um, that I can share with people and hopefully encourage them in their faith. Thank you, Father, and pray this in your name, amen. So the. Um, the bulletin says that the, uh, 
the message today is choosing Christ's family. And it could have been a couple different titles. I thought of preaching to the choir, because in many ways what I'm going to talk about may not impact you. You may be beyond that, but maybe not. The other, the other thing I thought about, which was a little mischievous, was to have um, use the, the lottery slogan, you gotta buy a ticket. And I was thinking of, you know, Chris told his story this morning, but this fellow who was going through such terrible times and every morning got up and prayed to God, Father, Father, I, I don't know if I'm gonna make it another month. I'm gonna lose my house. I'm, all these terrible things are gonna happen to me. I don't have a job. I need to win the lottery, Father. And every day he prayed that. He prayed for a week and at the end of the week he hadn't won. And, and uh, so he cried out to God, Father, please listen to me. I need to, I need to win the lottery. And he heard from God. And God said, you got to buy a ticket. And uh, there's, a, there's a connection to this message here this morning. Some of you, some of us, may be here, but we haven't bought the ticket. We feel good on Sunday morning. We connect with others. We show up. We know we've got things to do. We get, there's a lot of distraction going on. But whether or not we bought the ticket or not, I'm, I, someday I, I worry about myself sometimes. I can get so distracted by things on the outside. So as I start, I want to alert you to what I, I want to start from the application side. Um, I consider the application goal for today's message, uh, what could we add to our For Jesus To-Do list today? It's focused on getting us personally to a point of new commitment, perhaps strengthening and recommitting um, our faith or centered on baptism and membership uh, here at this church if you haven't pursued them in the past. Now there's some risk here for, for me and this is where I've listened to the Lord and I'm trusting in the Lord. The risk is this, it's my hope that we might even come forward at the end of the meeting, come forward or go to the back as we'll suggest later. Um, at the end of the service and speak, you may want to speak and pray with one of our elders and that you're physically moving forward will represent a positive decision that you want to invest more in your faith walk here at Grace Chapel. Or you may wish to have a longer conversation with yourself and with our Lord before stepping forward to talk with your elders this morning, and we understand that. In thinking about responding, I hope you will be saying that you realize our new vision, lives transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, is not a personal destination the end spot in a map quest request. But it marks an ongoing journey that doesn't end until we are called home to be with Jesus. And the journey I want to highlight today is that in seeking that transformation, we acknowledge the great value of our citizenship in God's kingdom, and we reaffirm our desire to be active and intimate members, active and intimate members of Jesus' family. Now we all know that earthly families can be a challenge, right? In many ways they can be messy and complicated, very messy at times. I don't need a show of hands on that one. I'm the oldest of seven children in a hard-working, hard-drinking Irish Catholic family. I rest my case. <laughs> and I bet you too could fill in the blanks. You may be a member of a small, medium, or large Irish, Greek, Italian, Asian, German, mixed family, and you know what messes are. Have you noticed, however, that, that people tend to um, gravitate back 
to their family or parts of it at some point in their lives. Even though as a youngster, you might have played the game, if I had a choice, I'd want to be part of so-and-so's family. The grass always looked greener on the other side of the street, didn't it? Yeah, maybe you didn't play that in your family, this large Irish family I belong to, we did that. This morning I want to emphasize the point that you do have a choice. Many of you have already made it, and the grass is definitely greener on the other side of the street. I'm talking about the choice we can make to be part of Jesus' family. We know he has accepted us and wants us to be part of his family, but have we fully accepted him? In the, in the words of the World Series of Poker, are we all in? There are many similarities between our families here on earth and Jesus' family. Both provide connectedness, a sense of belonging, people beside us, fellow family members who love us even as they know about our faults, issues, and personal quirks. And there's a sense of intimacy that comes with the closeness, love, and caring. But there are differences too. Membership in Jesus' family brings us into fellowship with like believers whose knowledge, skill, values, and beliefs are the gift of our Father. And in our differences, there need to be no cynicism, sarcasm, jealousy, shaming or guilting, meanness or power struggle with the Father. Not many earthly families can claim that. And then there's a whole um, eternity promise, isn't there, of a continuous life after death. And there is forgiveness, forgiveness. The ultimate promise of Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We need to believe that. So there are clearly life after death reasons to be part of Jesus' family, to accept them in your heart. Remember, he has already prepared the way for you. But there are many here and now reasons as well. And I want to quickly mention three. I know there's a lot of them. Right now, um, um, James referred to the election side, right? The whole election mania sweeping the country, the 24-7 media stroked back and forth firestorm. I guess it's good for the media. It creates a major distraction turning us, turning me, a political science major from college, into being more judgmental and cynical in attitude, clearly moving away from the words of God's kingdom that we will likely not hear in this election season. Humility, grace, forgiveness, transformation, mercy. We need those words. Where else will we get them but in Jesus' family? Secondly, the, the whole order of the world has changed, hasn't it? It's, it's, the paradigm is, is out the window and, and everything's different out here. As horrific as the Civil War was for our country or World War I and World War II for the entire world, for the most part, each side knew who the enemy was. And there were some principles of battle that gave some semblance of order, despite everything that happened, except when Hitler decided to wipe out an entire race and culture, perhaps planting the seeds of, for the terrorism and, and the great refugee crisis that the world now experiences. I don't know about you, but facing this overwhelming threat, I need divine guidance from Father on what my reaction on what the Christian response should be. So I need to be part of um, Christ's family. Lastly, something I just heard this week and I wanted to share with you, there's another reason to make the choice or reaffirm the choice to be part of Jesus' family. And it relates to a discouraging 
societal phenomenon. Recent studies have shown a sharp rise in the percentage of age 30 or underpopulation who, when asked about their religious connections, check unaffiliated. This is coupled with a related finding that more and more of these unaffiliateds are living with or marrying each other. It's a very discouraging trend because it demonstrates a societal turn that will be hard to reverse. Think about it. If we who claim to know that Jesus is our savior and accept him, don't model and celebrate the transformative power of Jesus' grace, mercy, and forgiveness, who will carry the message forward? And to what kind of world? Imagine our lives without the presence of the Holy Spirit. When the great moral compass of Jesus is diminished by the erosion of his values and beliefs, what real hope is there for future generations? This isn't some generic long-term concern. Personalizing, what's going to What's, it, what's happening to the world? What's it going to be like when my three-week-old granddaughter graduates from high school? I, uh, there are futurists out there who can predict all kinds of things. I'm not sure I want to hear their predictions on where it's going to be 18 years from now. But we know it's going to be much different than it is today. And, and as, a, as a church and as a family, we have a responsibility to hold steadfast the beliefs and the connection we have so that we can encourage others. So let's tie this into scripture where we get some very clear guidance about our calling to Christ's family. We'll quickly look at two letters from Paul for guidance this morning. We're gonna do, um, we're gonna read Romans 12 to one to eight and uh, then we're gonna look quickly at uh, Philippians uh, two, one to five. So from Romans, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as holy sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We could stop here, this is very rich material, but it goes on. For by the grace given me, I say that every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has given you, just as each of you has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to the other. We have different gifts according to the grace he has given. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith if it is in serving, let him serve. If it is in teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is in contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is in leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is in showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. And from Philippians, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, being united with Christ, if you have any comfort in his love, any fellowship with the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, and make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider other things better than yourself. Each of you should not look only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. And then the key line, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. 
So what is Paul saying in these two letters to different audiences? What does he mean in Romans when he implores us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice? Is he looking for us to climb on the altar and be burned? Of course not. Many think Paul was referring to the new life that Jesus' sacrifice provided us. And the question is, how do we live with that new life? Do we carry it forward? The early message in the reading from Philippians about being united with Christ, isn't that the same? Isn't this our invitation to not only possess the faith, but to live it out, to live it out, joined with Christ, to be part of his family? Don't we want that? But how do we get it? Paul offers um, words of advice. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind, not unlike the new Grace Chapel vision lives transformed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Both Paul's words and our vision statement call for active participation. You can't pour some magic elixir on your body or soul and be transformed. We seek unity with Christ, and this is important. We allow his transforming process to happen in our hearts, souls, and minds. As we looked at the vision, one of the things we became concerned about, and Pam came up with a slight change in words, which clarified this for us, is that somehow we could transform ourselves. And um, my message to you this morning, and I think the message here is that this, we allow his transforming process to happen in us. We are open in spirit, in heart, in mind, not in the sacrifice of the dead, but in living, acting, trusting, and following him. Again, being in the presence of God. So what do we focus on? very clear here, not ourselves. <laughs> From Romans, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. From Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Pretty clear where our focus should be, isn't it? Like Christ. Again, Philippians, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. For me, it's easier said than done. How do, how do I apply this in my life? In many ways, the bar seems so high, doesn't it? Transformed by the renewal of our minds. Are we committed to those things that facilitate renewal of our minds? We might, um, what might those opportunities look like? If we haven't been baptized, that's a great and fitting place to start. Or if we have been baptized under different life circumstances, Perhaps we feel that renewing our baptism would cleanse our souls and bring us back to Jesus. For some of us, we look back on our lives led that might have separated us from him. The baptism renewal can wash, wash away the guilt and free us up to see the majesty of Jesus. And don't forget, uh, we have a baptism opportunity right here in the sanctuary uh, two weeks from uh, today on August 7th. And what about considering adult Christian ed? or small group studies, or group prayer, or regular disciplined reading of the Bibles. I almost had asked for a show. Who here can't do those things? Let's look at the letters again. What else? Service to others in the name of Jesus. From Philippians 2.4, each of you should look not only on your own interest, but also to the interest of others. And what is a similar charge in Romans? The reference to different gifts working together to form one body in unity with Christ's family. None of us has the wisdom, strength, or experience to teach, encourage, prophecy, serve, and contribute to the needs of others all at the same time. But we can do our part. 
helping to weave together this unity. And I think that's what our call is, is to weave that unity from the various parts, from the various strengths we have that Jesus so desperately wants for us. It's his family. It's his family. And don't we want to be part of it? The reason I mention all of this is because in my working on this, I wonder if I'm desperate enough. I like being comfortable with what I know and do. I think to some degree many of us love routine far more than untested challenge. And we like our pastors to deliver this to us, but on non-threatening terms, inside our comfort zone. The comfort level thing isn't just about churches in general. I think most thriving organizations, even those that are struggling, um, struggle with this issue of the comfort zone and, and um, whether we're aspiring for enough. And they often come to the conclusion that adding just two words, engagement and passion, can move routine responses into heart-driven action. And I think that's where we want to be as a church. Likewise, that this, I think, has direct application to Grace Chapel. If we are truly believing members of Christ's family, what choices do we make to increase our engagement and become more passionate about our relationship with Jesus and conversely with each other? Aren't family members at their best when they are fully involved and committed to their family unit, even when it might be a bit messy? I don't know if I said this earlier, but even churches can be messy at times. And we know that, right? I asked the question not about frustration, the level of participation. We have some wonderful initiatives underway here. I wanted, particular, um, we're talking about this morning in our prayer group, our pastoral care team that we're putting together in our visitation team just uh, several weeks ago, we passed out uh, surveys here. The best ever response we have received from a survey of our congregation. Multitudinous <laughs> survey responses, so much so that we're, going, we're struggling to come up with um, matching needs with the offers that we have from so many people. So great things happening. But as a challenge to me and to you, looking forward into the fall, I think we, we look again at where we can better commit, where we can get to all in. What choices are we making? For instance, if I ask, are you too busy or overscheduled? I think many of us would raise our hands. Forgetting that our time availability is a consequence of our own choices. So we're gonna take a few minutes of silence in a, in a couple minutes here this morning to contemplate what else we individually could do to get closer to our Father. One of my favorite quotes is from the noted Canadian philosopher, also happens to be a hockey player, uh, Wayne Gretzky, <laughs> who when asked, um, how he scored so many goals, he replied, I skate to where the puck is going, to, where I think the puck is going to be. So our, we're going to take a few minutes of silence to contemplate what else each of us can do to get closer to our Father, to experience his transformative power. And as you close your eyes in silence in a few minutes and try to figure out what else you and we could be doing, you might ask the question, how do I skate closer to where Jesus is? How do I get to where he is? Because that's our source of power, that's our source of strength. And in your stillness, you might even hear his voice. And it's probably not gonna say, buy a ticket. And folks, we aren't talking about rocket science here. I'm not asking that you come up with your top five changes, 
you're going to make in your routine now and into the fall. But think of one thing, one thing that would get you closer to God by commitment or, or renewal. Baptism on August 7th. Membership class in the fall because you want to move into full fellowship and covenant with this congregation. Trying a Sunday school class in September. Going to women's or men's retreat. Sometimes that's very daunting for people. We have a fall women's retreat and a, and a January men's retreat. Or starting a small Bible study with some close friends or neighbors. Or finding a small group. Or setting a schedule to read the four Gospels before Christmas. That's possible, isn't it? And what about simply committing to spending some silent time with God every day? In the stillness asking him, not being afraid to ask him, what do you think about the way I'm living my life, Lord? Show me if there's something you want me to do differently. Not hard questions. Perhaps we know the answer before we ask the question. But we can, in the stillness of our hearts, hear from God. I'm going to ask our, a number of our elders to come forward, and, and James as well, because um, we're going to talk about uh, who is an elder. I don't mean to imply that, but uh, especially up front, because uh, James is leading our effort on baptism um, on August 7th. And, if, and I'm going to ask that uh, you consider um, coming forward. First, we're going to have some silent time. Um, then we'll move to, this is the messy part. We, we haven't overly coordinated this, but Daniel and Kim have a great uh, responsiveness on these things. Uh, we're, we're gonna, we'll have some music up here, and then they'll move to the, the closing hymn. But um, we'd invite you to come forward. We'll invite elders to come forward as well. Um, I'm requesting that those of you who are so moved will come forward and share your renewed commitment, pray about it, or anything you want to pray with the elders. We've done this before, and we find that there's a great response from the congregation to reaching out and, and seeing very visible elders and, and praying with them. I, we're hoping that you get to the point that you think over those things. Those, what's the one thing I can do? You know, from my, one of my favorite movies, um, What About Bob? Uh, when he's talking to the psychiatrist before the psychiatrist goes off on vacation, um, he says to him, um, try baby steps. And what baby step are you willing to take, commit to, starting now, looking into the fall, that will help in your personal renewal and your commitment to accountability to Jesus through your actions, not through your thoughts, through your actions. So as we, um, I will ask elders, some of them to come forward, and I think there may be a couple of them who will be at the back. Not that we're trying to grab you one way or the other, but if someone's not comfortable going forward, we'll have a couple people in the back. We'll, have, we'll take uh, three or four minutes of silent time, and then um, Daniel and Kim will lead us um, in some music, just probably provide some background music, and then move into our, our song. But um, I just invite you to, it'll be amazing if it's quiet in here, but if we can be quiet for three to four minutes, uh, close your eyes, ask God the question, what do you think about the way I'm living my life, Lord? What else can I do? Show me something you want to do differently. So let's do that now.
So, Father God, um, we're probably way outside our comfort zone. And we know you've called us there, and we hope that you have had the opportunity to speak and be heard to others. And, and uh, as some elders join me in the front, uh, anyone who has prayer needs or wants to make um, comment on their commitment or, or let James add to his list for the baptism, uh, just take this opportunity to do that now. And um, we thank you for that. Um, we'll have some background music, and from there, we'll move into the, the uh, final song, and James will offer the benediction. So I would, I would invite anyone who would feel um, so challenged to come forward at this point. Thank you.